Welcome to the Exam Room Podcast, brought to you by the Physicians Committee. Hi, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for raising your health IQ with us coast to coast and in more than 140 countries around the globe. Fontana, California, Huntsville, Alabama, Shinbei, Taiwan. We appreciate you helping to make the world a healthier place. This is a bonus episode with an urgent call to action. 99% of the time here on the exam room, we talk about nutrition, but every once in a while, we get the opportunity to use this platform for something else that is ultra important. And this is one of those times. Long story short, right now there is a huge push on Capitol Hill here in Washington, D.C., a push that would unravel all of the progress that we have made fighting against the use of animal testing in cosmetics. A few short years ago, we actually scored a major victory when the state of California outlawed the sale of any cosmetics that had been tested on animals. And because California is such a large state with so much power, the trickle-down effect from that was massive. And we saw many other states then begin to follow suit. It was a big victory for animals. And it was what we thought the end of unnecessary animal testing in the cosmetics industry. But flash forward to present day, and that major victory now is in real danger because tucked into this massive FDA bill is a provision that would forbid individual states like California from outlawing animal tested products. Instead, the legislation grants the FDA exclusive oversight of the cosmetics testing process in all 50 states. The effect of this would be chilling, not just for the industry, but it would endanger the lives of thousands of animals every single year, completely unnecessarily. So today we are going to hear about this legislation from Andrew Bonovi. He is the Director of Government Affairs at the Physicians Committee. And then we will also get the industry insider perspective from Brandy Halls, who is the chief ethics officer at Lush Cosmetics, a phenomenal cruelty-free cosmetics company. And Brandy says, we absolutely do not need these cruel tests. We absolutely can do things cruelty-free. And we absolutely need your support right now to ensure that this part of the legislation does not go into law. Thank you both very much for being here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Andrew, I would like to start with you today. Um, Number one, this legislation that was passed in California just a couple of years ago, um, can you remind our audience what that legislation did before we dive into what's happening today? Sure. So what that legislation uh, that went into effect in 2019 in California did is it it said that in California, you can't sell cosmetics. And, you know, I think when some people think cosmetics are thinking makeup, but really it's it's not just makeup, but it's also shampoos and deodorants, things that almost everyone uses on a daily basis, that in order for these products to be sold in California or imported into California, 
they needed to be not tested on animals. So it was something that had overwhelming support in the California legislature at the time, something that our organization and other organizations and companies that are selling these products um, and know how, how better they are for animals wanted to see happen in California. And to see something that comes along in Congress just a few years later that might undo that work is particularly troubling. And the thought being that California is such a large state. I mean, it, the economy of that state alone is larger than many countries out there. So That's if you correct. have this kind of legislation on the books in that state, it would have a trickle-down effect throughout the other 49 states here in the U.S., correct? Right. And, you know, we'll focus a lot on California. And sorry to everyone that is listening to this or watching this that isn't in from California, but I'll note that there are eight other states in, in the United States that also have similar bans that could also be in question as well. So California is, is the big one, like you said, Chuck, because it's such a large market, because it's such a, a, a huge economy. But let's, let's not like overlook that there are other states that have this on the books or other states that might be considering it. So what is being offered in Congress uh, as of late wouldn't just affect laws that are on the books now, but would prevent states from, from passing other laws in the future. So that's why it's particularly troubling. And so now let's talk about what this federal legislation would do. Specifically, if you want to be technical about it, it was Senate Bill 4348. Uh, what would this new legislation do should it get passed, Andrew? So in Senate Bill 4348, which is a huge bill that has to do with many different things, but the provision that the Physicians Committee is particularly looking at would, would essentially do two things. One, it would prevent states from enforcing laws like the one in California that ban uh, products that have been, uh, cosmetic products that have been tested on animals. But the other thing we would do, like I mentioned before, it would prevent states from passing similar laws. So this is troubling from, from, from two respects. One is because these, these bans are, are good for people, they're good for animals, uh, and it's what the people in California and these other states wanted. They went to their state legislatures and said, this is important for us as citizens of this state. We do not want uh, cosmetics to be sold in this, in this state that have been tested on animals. So that's something that would be und undone. And that's, that's a problem. And even a bigger problem is that it would prevent states from passing future laws uh, going forward. And that's particularly troubling. Anytime uh, Congress says to states, you can't do this, um, that's, that should be, should be flagged. But another said when it, when it comes to it basically enshrining um, kind of the status quo where, where companies can do almost whatever they want to animals to get these products to the market, that's particularly troubling. So that's, that's why uh, the Physicians Committee has been out in front going to Congress saying this provision in the FDA uh, reauthorization bill. This this needs to be stripped. This needs to be changed. We, we can't let this continue. Yeah, Brandy, I'm going to come to you in just one second. But Andrew, uh, just to follow up on that, I read it described in one particular article as a wholesale, what this bill is, is a wholesale overhaul of the FDA's ability to regulate the cosmetics industry with increased enforcement power balanced by few checks. So when this, if this legislation were to pass, and the FDA power it grows and it continues to go unchecked, how hard would it be to, as my family would say back in the day, put that horse back in the barn and undo what this legislation, this proposed legislation would do? 
I think it would be extremely difficult because right now, you know, there are no, there's not a federal ban on cosmetic testing on animals. So absent of that ban, um, the, the federal, what would exist at the federal level would be the law of the land in all 50 states. And you're right, Chuck, once Congress does something and it, it kind of consolidates its, you know, lawmaking ability in, in here in Washington, it's really hard to undo that. So um, unless this, this provision within this bill is changed or removed, we're definitely going to see a lot of problems moving forward when it comes to testing on animals for cosmetics. And one could see how this could bleed into other areas as well. So we definitely want to, um, you know, to, to get out in front of this and make sure Congress isn't, isn't taking these steps, because like you said, it, it would be definitely very, very hard to, to undo. Brady, Lush Cosmetics is cruelty-free, has been from day one. What do you know in terms of consumer trends and demand for cruelty-free products? Yeah, so we, um, you know, we've seen through the fact that we're a, a global brand with over 900 locations um, that the demand is there. We've demonstrated that you can be a globally recognized beauty company without harming animals, without testing your product, your finished products or your ingredients on animals. So we know the demand is there. We know that it's also growing substantially. Um, <clears throat> We have seen, um, I think that I've seen some projected uh, sales here around the global cosmetics market is expected to grow by almost 4 billion US dollars between 2020 and 2025. So there is, um, you know, that consumer demand is there without a doubt. We've also seen a significant growth around consumer seeking what we um, see out there is this clean beauty. And we know um, through market research that 42% uh, of consumers are associating clean beauty with cruelty-free cosmetics. So there's that connection in the consumer's mind between clean beauty and cruelty-free. Um, and we also know that brands are catching on to this. So we're seeing that ethical claims around um, um, animal non-animal testing and cruelty-free cosmetics have grown from about 28% in 2016 to 41% in 2020. So uh, brands are catching on. They're making uh, claims around cruelty-free cosmetics. Um, and I know today that we have around, I believe, 600 U uh, U.S. brands registered uh, or sorry, in North America that are are kind of registered and certified as cruelty free, um, but that there's upwards of 6000 brands who aren't registered, but are um, are claiming to be cruelty free as well. So you can see that the demand is there. The brands are catching on to this. Um, and you can see from brands like Lush that we are able to demonstrate um, that you can you know, invent, manufacture and retail an entire range of beautiful products without uh, any animal testing or, or harming any animals in the process. Do you find that you need to throw a lot of marketing behind the cruelty free title or do you kind of sense organically that for ethical reasons or whatever, that that is kind of where consumers are gravitating toward? Yeah, it certainly is where the consumer is going. It doesn't hurt um, it to get that word out there. So I think for Lush, we are fortunate that um, our brand was founded and our product inventors um, have been and still are animal rights activists since day one. So for us, it really has been a way of operating our business for almost 30 years. And so naturally, uh, our brand is associated in that space. Um, but we're, we're constantly trying to tell our story uh, so that we can educate not only the consumer, but our staff 
staff or 12,000 staff that we have around the world, um, as well as, you know, just getting the word out there that, believe it or not, you know, there are cosmetics out there that are still being tested on animals. I think sometimes there's a bit of ignorance um, around that uh, fact in itself. So, um, you know, we are still fighting to end animal testing in this space. And, and we do believe that it's our duty uh, as a retailer who has, you know, these storefronts in, in high streets across um, the world and passionate sales associates who can help spread the word. It's, it's sort of our responsibility, we believe, to continue to tell uh, the story about animals being used in testing for cosmetics and, and really ultimately to continue to fight to see it to an end. Andrew, in terms of this proposed legislation and stricter oversight, how much of this is being done in the name of safety? You know, it's hard to say, and that's that's exactly the language that's that's used in the in the bill. That's so problematic is that it gets at, at that no state may enforce a law that has to do with with safety substantiation. And I think one thing that that I'm sure we can all agree on here is that it's not, this isn't about safety because there's, there's really nothing about testing on animals that says anything is any, any safer in humans. That's the, that's the whole point that, that um, is so problematic here is that when you're testing on animals, there's not really any guarantee that there is any, any applicability of what you're finding out when it comes to humans. So let's like, these were never needed. These were never, never needed for safety. And these definitely aren't needed, need, needed, now to for, for safety. So we just don't, don't think that this is re really necessary for so many reasons. I, I, you know, I wish I could say why, why does somebody want this in there? And we, we it's hard to say, but what, what definitely is, is easy to say is this definitely needs to be stopped. Do you know how our current legislation or how this proposal would stack up to other laws around the world in other countries? There are uh, 40 countries that have passed laws to limit or eliminate the sale of, of, uh, cosmetics that are tested on animals. So that's, um, that would bring us, we're not even there yet as a, as a nation, we're actually moving away from that. That's why it's, this is so troubling. Like, this is a trend in the wrong direction. We should be moving towards what other, other countries have been doing, which is eliminating animal testing. Uh, instead, this is a, this is a step backwards. And so Brandy, let me come back over to you then. So we're talking about kind of an unnecessary step, it sounds like, in terms of forcing animal testing in order to bring a product to market. You have been able to innovate all of these wonderful products without taking that step. Talk to us about your innovation process. Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, we, you know, fortunately have product inventors who are animal rights activists themselves. And uh, I'm always so pleasantly surprised when I have this conversation with them, um, you know, asking them what some people may believe to be our limitations around ingredients that we can use in innovating our products. And um, their answer is often quite poetic, in, in fact. And, and really what they come back to is that the basis upon which they start every formula is from a place of using um, natural, safe, beautiful plant-derived ingredients. And, and often say, if you start from that place and you completely ignore animal derivatives or new and novel ingredients that require that testing, that actually it's quite simple to innovate. And there actually removes all of the limitations and in, instead just creates this beautiful space where we can innovate and invent products. So our, our inventors are always coming from a place of, um, you know, what, what is the consumer seeking um, and how can we make it effective? And then from there, they move into that innovation stage around 
what ingredients can we use? And we have, you know, such a, a, a beautiful array of natural plant-based ingredients from which to choose from. Um, and then we have their expertise, you know, and their, their 30 years expertise in formulating products where they're actually, actually looking at combining ingredients for, and seeing the effects that it's having on the product itself and the effect that it's going to have on, on the consumer. Um, so yeah, the the sort of beauty of our innovation process is in its simplicity, um, and the fact that when you start from a place of um, leveraging these natural, plant based, and uh, safe ingredients, you don't actually run into any of the challenges around limitations regarding uh, our innovation. And as Andrew mentioned, uh, close to the top of the show here, we're not just talking about powder and concealer and things of that nature. When we're talking about cosmetics, it's a wide array of products. What are some of the, the lush products that are on store shelves right now? Yeah, so um, you know, we we invent retail and manufacture what uh, fresh, handmade, and vegetarian bath, body, hair care, and skin care. So those are the categories. But within that, you know, there is such an extensive range that we've been able to demonstrate. You can actually go to market with things as innovative as shower jellies. They're fun. They're effective. They have real effects on the skin and on the body in the shower. They don't harm animals, and they bring a bit of fun to your shower. So we've you know we've demonstrated that you can innovate um, with without harming animals as, you know, as wide a net as for color cosmetics, right through into things like face, facial moisturizers, facial cleansers, body scrubs, bath bombs, um, and right to the, to the extreme of shower jellies. <laughs> the, I'm sorry, the extreme of shower jellies. That's a phrase I didn't think I would hear uh, ever on this show. Um, Andrew, let me come back to you here and, and talk a little bit more about this proposed legislation. As it stands right now, what type of support are we seeing for this bill? Well, this bill, the the entire bill, is something that, frankly, Congress has to pass. You know, they're hidden, not hidden in this bill, but central to this bill, I should say. Thank, sorry, let me clarify that. Central to this bill is a, a scheme that allows for the FDA to um, reauthorize the use of, of drugs, and that's really important for, for fo folks' health. Um, so it's really troubling that in this important bill that has bipartisan support for a lot of reasons, um, hidden in this bill is something about cosmetics, and even more troubling, it's something that would basically make it more difficult for, for states to choose what they want to do when it comes to, to sales bans on uh, animal-tested cosmetics. So the whole bill overall uh, is something that Congress is definitely going to pass. And I think that's why uh, we're you know so uh, troubled by this provision, is that we don't want this provision just kind of tucked into it uh, to be included as well. Um, for this provision in particular, we're seeing an outgrowing of support from PCRMs members from other organizations we're talking to, everyone I've been talking to is saying like, why is this in the bill? This needs to be pulled. This needs to be changed. So for the fact that when it comes to this provision that would would attack state state bans on animal tested cosmetics, I, I haven't heard anyone that's in support of that. Um, we're definitely uh, going to be talking to Congress in the next couple of days and saying this is something that our members definitely don't want to see. We need to make sure that this isn't in the final. And I think that that's kind of the question that the audience right now, the exam roomies are wondering is like, well, it kind of sounds like we're backed into a corner with this. If this legislation must pass, it is going to pass, but there is this provision in here on cosmetics in there. 
what can be done? So if somebody is hearing this right now, Andrew, and is like, I need to do something, what is that something? Right. Well, to use the a sports metaphor, the, the ball is currently in the Senate's court right now. So the Senate is one that is is included this provision, uh, and the Senate is the one that is currently debating this bill. So it's important for everyone uh, to contact their senators and let them know that they do not want this ban on state on states' ability to regulate cosmetics in the final FDA bill. Uh, if you don't have your senator's phone number handy, uh, I don't blame you. Uh, not everyone is like me that is calling them constantly. Um, you can go to PCRM's website, pcrm.org, and you'll find an action alert there that folks can go to. They can fill out a form. You'll find their, their number there. Um, and, you know, not after you do that, after you have called your senators, reach out to your friends and family. Because I'm sure, like I said, when we're talking about cosmetics, we're talking about shampoo, deodorant, we're talking about makeup, things that literally almost everyone uses. So everyone has a stake in this. And Almost everyone uh, watching this has has two senators in Congress uh, that they can talk to and uh, tell them, hey, this is something that needs to be stripped, needs to be removed from this bill. And we'll go ahead and drop a link to that uh, for you to contact your representatives right now. That's in the show description or in the episode notes. And uh, Brandy, a, a follow-up for you uh, as we kind of wind down here. Um, since this is being done, in the name of safety, I have to ask from your consumers, how many, how much feedback have you re received saying, well, I'm concerned that these products aren't necessarily safe because they have not gone through the animal testing process? Yeah, I mean, very little, you know, our, our consumers um, trust that Lush has done our due diligence around ensuring the safety of our products. And we have, and um, we've done that, you know, through exploring, um, testing our ingredients and our products in animal friendly labs and using animal friendly test methods that exist out there. Uh, things like in vitro test methods, um, using human cell cultures and microbiology, these tests exist out there. Um, additionally, we also uh, lean on uh, human volunteers that um, work alongside our product inventors. So we have, you know, long guaranteed the safety of, of our products and our consumers are certainly not calling that into question uh, in, in the cruelty-free cruelty -free cosmetic space. And my final question, this may be one that you're not able to answer off the top of your head, but because you're innovating in unique ways, is that cost prohibitive for Lush? You know, I think... Um, being an ethical business is uh, is not always cross is not always you know the the cheapest way to do business, but it certainly is the only way to do business for us as far as we see it. So we understand that there will be additional costs incurred around innovating. Um, you know, in all of the ways that we do the transparency right through our supply chain, for example, that makes it more costly um, to run this ethical business. But uh, for us, it's it's a cost that um, that can't be ignored. And it's the, just the cost of doing business in the way that all businesses should actually be operating in society today. Andrew Bonovi, Brandy Halls, and you who is watching this right now, be sure to click that link in the show description or in the episode notes. Make your voice heard. Say, hey take this provision out of that bill before you go ahead and pass it. Thank you both so very much for being here. Yeah, thank you so much, Chuck. Thank you. Again, all of those links can be found right now in the episode notes for you to make your voice heard. Call your senator. 
call your congressman, call your congresswoman, make your voice heard. And once you've made your voice heard, tap your friend on the shoulder, tap your family members on the shoulder, say, hey, we need to get your voices out there too and have them call their representatives. Tell them, we don't want this part of the legislation to pass. We want our cosmetics to remain cruelty-free. And Brandy also wanted me to tell you about the Lush Prize. You say, well, what is the Lush Prize? It's really cool. It goes to the heart of what it is we've been talking about today about cruelty-free cosmetics. So the Lush Prize offers funds to support initiatives that will end or replace animal testing. And it is the largest prize fund in the non-animal testing sector. The Lush Prize is worth up to 250,000 pounds. And in US dollars, that is 306,000. 306,000 US dollars. That's how big the Lush Prize is. And we have a link for you to learn more about that right now in the episode notes. And if you haven't already done so, please go ahead and subscribe to the Exam Room Podcast by the Physicians Committee on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your shows. And when you do, please also leave a five-star rating. And for today, that is going to wrap things up. I would like to say thank you one more time to Andrew Bonovi and Brandy Halls for being here and joining us and talking about such an important topic. And for everyone at the Physicians Committee, I am the weight loss champion, Chuck Carroll. Thank you so very much for listening. And remember, as always, keep it plant-based.